This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Hello, everybody. It's time for another edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting live right here on Zach Arnold Productions on Mixler and coming to you through the power of wherever you get your podcast. Uh, I am Zach, and I'm very excited to be talking about a lot of different things tonight, and there are a lot of really awesome things that are well worth discussing. And here to help me break it all down is my buddy and my co-host, Mr. Benjamin Hart. Ben, good to have you back, dude. It's been a couple of weeks. I'm excited to catch up with you. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be back. And yeah, we've got a lot to talk about, some catching up to do in regards to just, uh, yeah, it's it's been a minute. So And there's a lot going on. Um, and uh, you've seen some things. I've seen some things. And this is the part where we talk about them or talk at each other about them because uh you know sometimes i i haven't seen a thing or you haven't seen a thing and uh we'll get into it we'll, we'll talk about it yeah before we do though i've got a little bit of business that we need to clear up just mm-hmm. for our listener base so that they are aware of <laughs> some of what has transpired like in the last week or two um a couple of weeks ago we broadcasted here on the Zach Arnold Productions Mixler page as kind of a test run to see um, how it would go, more or less. And it was also kind of a last-minute filler-in thing because there was some scheduling conflicts that had happened over at Phantom Empire. Um, We were going to broadcast there, and then stuff came up and we weren't able, so we just kind of threw something together on Mixler at the last minute. It's all good. We we figured all of it out, water under the bridge. But in that time span, we also kind of realized that it was just becoming increasingly difficult to coordinate with the Phantom Empire team and get everybody on the same page to be able to help get the show running and and get it to the level and the caliber that everybody wanted it to be. And you may have seen the announcement earlier this week. You may have heard me over on Sean's live show earlier this week. Um, As of... Monday or Tuesday, I suppose, um, IPC is no longer airing on Phantom Empire. It was a mutual decision where we realized our paths are just kind of diverging. And it's okay when programs and platforms end up going different ways. There's no ill will or hostilities, really. It was just um, a realization that... IPC is probably better off self-produced for the time being, which is why Mm -hmm. Zach Arnold Productions is doing it. And Phantom Empire has a lot of Halloween-related content and horror-related content that they need to dedicate their memory space and their time and attention to. And so um, as of this week, we have officially parted ways, and you will be able to find IPC live episodes 
for the foreseeable future, you'll be able to find them right here on Zach Arnold Productions. I'm working on changing the um, URL. I have to be the next level up in order to change oh. the URL, so I haven't changed it yet. That's why I haven't been spreading the link around yet. Because eventually that link's going to change. It's going to be something a little more concise than all of those dashes. Zach, dash, Arnold, dash, productions. Pain in the butt. <laughs> um, but eventually that'll get cleaned up. And uh, any future episodes will be broadcast at least on here and maybe other places if we can figure out like another place for like a video platform that we can distribute from. But for now... We are settling into a groove here with uh, with my new production group that I'm working on. And uh, like I said, no hostilities with Phantom Empire. We wish them the best, but we're also looking forward to what we can do now that we're self-produced. Right. And, and, and like super special shout out to Sean and everyone at Phantom Empire because like our time there like doing this show is like been – the most fun I've ever had doing this show was like doing it on YouTube and then doing it under the fandom empire banner. And we can't thank them enough for allowing us to, you know, do, do our thing under their banner. And it was a lot of fun. Um, shame we can't continue, but you know, you know, things are changing uh, on for both of our accounts, just, you know, life and, you know, careers and all this kind of stuff is jumbling around. So, you know, it was the this was the best way to go, um, and now we're just being more flexible. We're just saying, hey, okay, we'll 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 go back to Mixler for a bit, and we're gonna we're gonna try this. We we'll just do audio only. As much as we love doing the video stuff, you know, all we can do is audio right now. We're gonna do that for a bit, and then we'll see what else. We'll see what's around the corner, you know. But right now, we're we're independent. We're we're on our own. We're venturing into the unknown, which is something we actually have never done before with this right. podcast. We've always been with a network. So this is a bit different, and it's an uncharted territory for us, but uh, I'm excited. Um, the show goes on. I, I didn't want anybody to – I'm glad you you put out that great statement and said like, hey, we're, we're, the show's not going anywhere. And I want to stress that, that IPC is not, not going anywhere. It might not be as consistently released as we want it to be. Yeah. It might not be weekly released. It, you know, we, we may even have to change that up. Um, but we will be releasing something. We're going to continue doing this show. We love doing the show. We hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, we're going to do everything possible to, to keep it going and and keep chugging along, however 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 we see fit, however we can. Yeah, and and I feel it's worth mentioning that that we were probably already looking at phasing ourselves out by the end of the summer, and there were just some things that kind of escalated our timeline over at Phantom Empire. But by the end of August or so, we were probably going to be phasing out anyways. And here's why. I'm getting married in September. <laughs> that's the that's the life stuff I was mentioning. I was yeah. trying to be vague, but then you just threw it out there. No, yeah, you're getting it's, married. It's okay. It's this little thing called marriage. It's okay. Happening. I mean, I put it on my socials, like on my Instagram page. It literally says engaged to, and then it's got my fiance's username on it. Like, I'm not ashamed that I'm going to be getting married at As all. You should not be. And As you so, should not. like, it's it's an exciting time, and and I'm I'm really excited about all the stuff that we're doing. We've got a live band that's going to be performing. We're having barbecue catered for the dinner. Oh wow! Like it's going to be a pretty fun party, and then we're going to Puerto Rico for two weeks for the honeymoon. So oh damn! Like we've got a really fun September ahead of us. 
But at the same time, that's going to conflict with, like, being able to do the show. And it's going to conflict with me being able to do, like, football stuff, which I usually do in, like, September, October, November. So um, in the long run, I really didn't want to put a whole lot of stress on Sean. And I really wanted to put as little stress on you as I could, Ben, because I know that you've got family stuff and travels and things like that that you like to do. And so... In the long run, this is the best solution, and we've had questions like, are you guys going back to video anytime soon? The answer is, we would like to. We just haven't figured out how we're going to do it yet. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of logistics of yeah. like making that happen, and you know that's the, the beauty of uh, a network and being on somewhere like Phantom Empire, where they just do it all. They would, they, yeah. Shaw would just make all that happen. It was already set up, and... They had the infrastructure, which was great. We don't exactly have access to anything like that right now, but we we might be able to manage something, you know, uh, ourselves in the near future. Um, who knows? Well, we're, here's we're, the deal: we're leaving all the door open. I've done football and baseball games on Facebook before, and we have we have done IPC episodes on the IPC Facebook page before. Yeah. Um, and it's not that hard to to like create a YouTube channel, so. Like, theoretically, we could use StreamYard one of these days. We could use my OBS broadcasting system that I use um, for sports stuff and just use it for IPC. Like, we have options. We just haven't figured all of those options out yet. So the answer is most likely, but for the time being, we're going to figure out this new variety-style program, much like the one that we did two weeks ago. We're having another similar one tonight. We're going to figure that out. We're going to figure out what it's like to be independent for a few episodes. And then we'll like continue to progress from there. So be patient with us. We're still going to be pumping out content. We're still going to be talking about stuff. It's just going to look and sound a little bit differently than what we've done in years past. But that doesn't make the show bad. It just means that it's evolving. It, it, evolution. I think that's that's the big word here. It's just like we're, we're changing. It's not that doesn't it's not a it's show... not a de-evolution. It's an evolution. It's it's right. we're, we're moving on to hopefully bigger and better things. And uh, I am personally very excited because you know we've got a, we've got a lot of stuff. We've talked about a lot of things that we want to do uh, privately. That I'm I'm very like okay this this could be really good. You know yeah. I just want to keep the show going in any form possible keep coming back to talk about this and and as we've as we've already demonstrated we've got this new little uh new segments and new little setup here we've got yeah. with um our new dynamic and i'm really enjoying it so yeah. uh yeah so for those of you who may have missed uh the episode that we did most recently episode 351 um like i said we're going to be doing some some new some new stuff and like ben said there's some new segments and one of those segments is one that's incorporating my uh, my fiance, my my lovely bride to be, and we're calling it Edna's Icebreaker. And she just comes up with a topic for us to talk about right off the top of the show. And last time it was what was your favorite celebrity encounter? There's another really great discussion that we're going to have uh tonight. And then right after that, we're going to do a segment called What Are You Watching? where mm-hmm. we just get each other caught up on what stuff we've been watching lately and what we thought of it. We'll have some spoiler-full stuff and some spoiler-free stuff, and uh, we may do you know, a, a standalone episode here and there that's only like an hour long to help you with like specific topics that you really want us to cover. Um, so that'll all get talked about and teased in the What Are You Watching segment. We have a couple of news pieces that we want to talk about, and then... Uh, 
as always, we're going to close out the show with some uh, barbecue. And then right smack dab in the middle of it, we've got a really great um, top five discussion. So we're taking all of the successful elements of IPC and just kind of rearranging them a little bit. People have always loved our top five discussions. People have always loved when we review a particular topic or a particular piece of pop culture. People have always loved our discussions of barbecue. That's like a staple that we've had since day one. So we're taking all of those things and incorporating them into one variety program, and we'll see where it takes us. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's the whole thing. It's just uh, new ideas. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. So let's go ahead and, and kick off the actual first order of business, which would be Edna's icebreaker. And we were talking about going to Six Flags recently. We we just went like a week or two ago, and we've got season passes, and we kind of want to go back. And she remembered that you and I, Ben, have been to Disneyland together a couple of times. Yeah. And she's been to Disney World. I have yet to go, but uh, we're going to go together at some point. But you've been Ooh. to Disney World because it's within driving distance of you. Right. Um, so her icebreaker discussion for the evening is not what's your favorite amusement park, but she got even more specific <laughs> in asking your favorite amusement park ride and i gotta be honest i'm like sitting here going through my rolodex of all the different rides that i've been on and i am really 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 trying to figure out exactly which one i want to talk about do you have something in mind for this icebreaker yeah it's i mean it's definitely i think it's definitely a disney park definitely a disney ride there's a lot of options um uh at, at disney world specifically um I, I will say, I will say some just a couple of runner-ups here. Uh, at Disneyland, uh, Indiana Jones ride was fantastic. Oh yeah, that's a um, great one. Uh, at Disney World, Test Track is amazing. Hardly miss that one anytime I go. Um, and for the longest time, Star Tours was at the top. Was the my most favorite ride. Just the experience, and obviously being a Star Wars fan, and, and going in there is just the experience is 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 nothing is like nothing else. Right. Except, except for now, when we have now Rise of Resistance, which, if if you haven't been to Disney parks, um, it's 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 a new ride. And it's very, very good, and it's very popular. Um, the line is usually very, very long, but I will very much say that uh, it's worth the wait. If you go, definitely don't miss it because it is one of the best, best rides, like period, that I've ever been on. It's just I won't give away any spoilers. I won't give away anything for anyone that hasn't been on it. I know you, Zach, have not been on it yet. No. Um, just do it, man. If you're going to Disney plan on plan your day around that because it's astounding like the just the whole experience and also you know the it's like a whole trackless ride system so you're like in a car but it's just like moving around and you're just going up up elevators and dropping out of it's just it's it's insane it's insane um so definitely that's I when I got off that ride, I'm like, okay, Star Trek used to be the favorite. This one might be the favorite. I think probably Rise of Resistance is that favorite now. So it's like a it's like an immersive ride that tells a story, correct? 
Right. Like you get on it. And one of the things I love about it is the fact that you are in line and then you are suddenly on the ride without even realizing it. It's weird. Oh. And so you kind of get onto, you're kind of shuffled through and you go and you get on something and you're like, oh, this is part of the line. No, no, this is the ride. So you're kind of on a ride, you get off that, you go to things, and then you are strapped into a car, and then that's that's the main ride. But you've kind of the whole thing is kind of an experience, and it's brilliant. I mean, and it just like you have the music blaring in your ears, and it's it's got all the all the characters from the sequel trilogy, all the actors come back and do their roles in in that thing, and you see. Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, all those guys. Um, and it was like I almost teared up because like I'm at the point now like wait, what is my relationship with the sequel trilogy? You know, like I like the movies. All right. But like, you know, what 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 is my nostalgia level for them? And like when I went in there, I almost teared up. I'm like, wow, this is this is actually affecting me. Like, you know, seeing these characters again. Dang, um, and it's 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 very it was a very moving experience because it's so immersive, like you're in it. Um, so yeah, it's great. See, and that is one of the things I will completely agree that Disney does better than anybody. Like I've been to several Six Flags parks where it's just like rides and maybe there's a little bit of like a DC type theme or a little bit of a Looney Tunes type theme or something. Um, let's be honest, Six Flags only has Warner properties to work with. And even then it's like kind of loose Warner properties. It's not like the good stuff. (laughs) And so (laughs) like... You have a ride that's called the Joker. Okay, it's green and purple. Congratulations. That is the loosest tie-in to any franchise you could ever have. Like some of some of the stuff is just kind of eh. But when I go to like Disneyland, especially back when we went in 2019, that was my most recent Disney experience was December 2019, right before the fallout of COVID and before Rise of the Resistance was completed. Um there was the there was the Millennium Falcon ride and right. there and there was the Falcon itself that you could take pictures in front of and stuff and there was like a couple of shops and there was an eatery I believe worst twenty dollar meal of my life by the way <laughs> like oh, if, no. it felt like space rations but I paid like nineteen ninety five for it or something and I was like what is this um. But they didn't have Rise of the Resistance ready yet. So um, I, I, I will say Star Wars Land and Cars Land over in California Adventure. Those are like my two favorites. Mm, yeah. Because I feel like I'm actually transported to the galaxy far, far away. Or I feel like I'm actually transported to Radiator Springs. Problem is Cars Land only has one ride. And it's not that great. Like, the immersive experience is feeling like you're actually walking through Radiator Springs, but there's not any rides really associated with it. So, I really don't think I can pick anything from Disney because I haven't been on Rise of the Resistance yet, and I didn't care for the Cars ride. I did kind of like the Incredicoaster at California Adventure because it was like a roller coaster that told an Incredibles themed story, and that was pretty cool. But I don't know if I would call that my favorite. So I probably have to go with a classic from like my local amusement park, Six Flags Over Texas in the Dallas Fort Worth area. 
there's a ride that is a hundred percent in the dark. Oh, it is. It is. It, it's a it's a warehouse, but it's themed to look like a mountain, and it's called Runaway Mountain. <laughs> and it's it's a roller coaster where you're in like a cave like docking station when you get on board the ride, and then as soon as you leave the station, you're going up a hill into a dark cave, basically. Oh my gosh! Like there's nothing. There's no lights. There's there's no real cracks in the walls or anything to where you could see light from outside. And when it's Halloween time, there's kind of a helix-like spiral that happens in the middle of the ride. And when you're riding on that helix, they will put like these flickering strobe light type things that flash while you're on the helix. And it reveals like this giant 15-foot monster statue that they put right in the middle of it to make it look like the creature is reaching for you and they leave oh, it wow. they leave it up during the holiday season and just slap a giant santa hat on it <laughs> wow okay so that, it's it's like it's like a it's like a goblin monster type thing during halloween and then it's the krampus during the holiday season or something i don't know but it's just it's really fun to have one of your senses eliminated. What's what's really funny is how how contrasting our two favorites are. Yours is all about the immersiveness of the senses, and mine is like, yeah, take away my eyesight and go really fast. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I mean, it is like, it's kind of like that reminds me of Space Mountain. Of yeah. like, it's all dark, and yeah. so, and it's very intense, and I don't think, like, Space Mountain is actually not that intense of a ride. It's just kind of like it up and down, and it's pretty fast. It's not that fast. Yeah. Look, you're in the dark. You can't see anything. Right. So, like, it feels like you're kind of disconnected, and you, you don't know how fast you're going. So you could be you could be going 100 miles an hour. You wouldn't know it because you can't right. see a damn thing. Right. Well, okay. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I think a lot of my favorite rides have to do with darkness because, like, the... The Harry Potter ride at Universal Studios is also another favorite of mine. Uh, yeah, I like that one. Um, and then the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, the the raft ride with Captain Jack Sparrow. That's in, that's set in the dark. Classic, classic. Um, and then wasn't there one that was Nightmare Before Christmas theme that we went on? That had like the the Oogie Boogie at one part of the ride, I think. I I feel like that's a thing, but I do not remember it. So there, there's there's a lot of rides that are like set in the dark that are preferable to me. I guess I do like roller coasters, and I, and I like the idea of roller coasters that have a theme. Edna really wants to take me to Universal Orlando so that I can ride the Velocicoaster. Oh yeah. That's going to be good. I feel like once I go on the Velocicoaster and once I go on Rise of the Resistance, my favorite is probably going to change. But for now, since I haven't been on either of those, I'm going to stick with a staple, which is Runaway Mountain at Six Flags Over Texas. And speaking of coasters, you if you go any if you go any time within the next little while, um, you'll have a one up on me because last time I went to Disney, which was a few months ago. Um, they were just about to open Guardian, the Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster at Epcot. Oh, um, dude! And it's like this roller coaster that, like, it starts you out, you're backwards, and it 
flings you out and then the, the thing turns around and each ride you get a different song um and i'm like mad because like they started soft opening it like days after i was there Aww. but uh hopefully and th- the same thing happened with Rise of resistance i was there the day before they opened the place oh man <laughs> like three years ago <laughs> it was a mess but i finally got to write something and as you said i i am i am not spoiled at all like you've never been to disney I've been to Disney too many times. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah. I can't even count them. Like, I'm in, within driving distance. I am Disney spoiled, okay? Mm-hmm. So I've got no room to complain. Well, here's here's my train of thought. And and, I, and I've told this to people several times over, and Edna's been supportive of me so far, but I think her patience is going to wear out pretty soon. My hope is to go to a few other theme parks first. Mm-hmm. Because everyone that I've spoken to says that if you go to Disney World first, other theme parks pale in comparison. It It, it is like it, Disney is a grade of excellence all their own. Right. It's like, like it's like the gold standard for the immersive experience. And if I enjoy Disneyland that much and people say world is better than land, then yeah, I want to go to Six Flags Atlanta and I want to go to Schlitterbahn and you know that's a, that's a water theme park here in Texas and 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 I want to go to a couple of other you know Six Flags type of places out in California. I want to go to Universal in Orlando first. I want to go, you know, to some of these other parks before I hit up Disney World. So I I've, I've recognized that I'm kind of running out of time because my body is starting to hate me for going on that many roller coasters in one day. <laughs> so I've actually got to start planning these trips and start saving up the vacation fund once we're past the honeymoon phase and start actually going to these places and going on these rides so that I can make it to Disney World and, and enjoy myself before it's too late. Yeah, yeah, I think you got a good plan there because, like, you know, Disney is things. I'm not gonna say like, oh, nothing is like nothing is 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 gonna like you're gonna it's gonna ruin all other parks. Like, there I've been to other theme parks and they're and they're fine, but you know, you do tend to compare of like, well, this 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 they wouldn't do this at Disney, you know. Even even when I've been to Universal, I'll be like, eh, it's not like it's close. But it's not quite there. It's not quite up to Disney standards, um, and they just they just have excellent excellent standards. Not to say Disney's perfect by any means, but you know they they really try very hard, and uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to beat them. Yeah, it, it's the effort that I appreciate, and and I know that other places also put in solid effort. I just I in my mind I want to go in sequence. And save the best for last. So hopefully in the next couple of years I'll be able to do that. I kind of want to experience it before kids and after kids as well. Because I want to experience the magic for myself and feel like a kid again. But then also let my actual kids experience it too. So I will be going plenty of times in the next decade. It's just a matter of who I'll be with and exactly how many other parks I've been to before that. Yeah, seems fair. Wow, that icebreaker took like 10 minutes, <laughs> 12, 15, I don't even know. We're a half hour into it, and we haven't even gotten to what are you watching. We got our business taken care of. We got the icebreaker taken care of, and now we've actually got 
the show to t- <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> um, so the next segment of the evening is what are you watching? And you know, Edna and I are still plowing through Stranger Things. We're about to finish season three. Um, we also finished New Girl on Netflix, and we're on, like, the last two or three episodes. Like, we're in the final season. The final season's only got, like, six or seven episodes in it anyways. Um, so we're almost done with New Girl, and I think she finally understands why Nick Miller is my spirit animal. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what we've been watching as a couple. And then independently, I've been watching um, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'll get into that in a little bit. And unfortunately, I, I, I needed to preface this before we got into spoilery territory um i have not seen the ms marvel finale yet yeah and i'm look i'm i have seen it i'm not gonna spoil it and i would i would urge you to see it as soon as possible that talking to you and everybody in the audience because there's there's a couple of really neat reveals it towards the end of that episode specifically in the last like five or ten minutes um that are like yeah, okay, this is, you know, there's some 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 big stuff happening. Um and it kind of gives you an idea of you know, uh where things are going. Um and and some kind of like, I mean, the, it, the finale I think it is great overall as an episode, but like there's two reveals, kind of one of them deals with like who Kamala is and where she's headed next. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, obviously no spoilers, but you know, it's it's kind of a it's it's a it's a big reveal, and it's, you're like, oh, okay, they're doing that. Like, it's kind of a uh, thing. And then the uh, the next one is like, okay, where where is Kamala going to end up? Where what's next for her? And uh, all I will say is, my excitement for the Marvels movie. Well, I wasn't like not excited about it. I was just like, eh, movie's happening. I'll watch it. Now right. I'm like. I need to see this movie right now. Like that's that's after seeing the finale. See, and and I already saw like the little screenshot that said she's returning for the Marvels. Like, right. Like I I know that that was what they were heading towards. And with Kate Bishop being in Hawkeye, and now you've got the Kamala series, and you've got um, Spider Man. You know, it, it, there's there's very much like a a new generation. You've got um, America Chavez from uh, from the uh, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange. Yeah. and then I, I really don't know if they're they're gonna go this way, but I feel like some of the stuff that they did in Thor maybe setting up some stuff too. Um, awesome. But I'm not I'm not gonna do too many spoilers there. I, I'm gonna go spoiler free for my Thor review. Um, but I will say that of the stuff that I have seen of Ms. Marvel, like if we want to talk about the first five episodes in greater detail, um, I really was not expecting the, mo- the, the the show, I was about to say the movie, I was not expecting the show to necessarily impact me, per se, mm-hmm. just because I am not of the... Muslim faith and I don't really know anything about Jersey because I'm not from there either. So like regionally and religiously, hardly any of it really relates to me. And yet at the same time, it did kind of relate, you know, like 
how would I react if I ended up with these types of powers? And what kind of an impact would it have on my family? What kind of an impact would it have on my faith? Like, some of those more broad questions actually do get addressed. Um, They just get addressed in a different way than it would have been towards me. But that doesn't mean that I wasn't able to ask myself those questions, you know? Yeah, it's it's simultaneously relatable, even though I'm not a, a a a a teenager living in New Jersey who is is Muslim and and of the of of Pakistani origin or or, or, or heritage. Right, I'm like um, I'm kind of like the opposite of that, and yet yeah, me too. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a very I'm a very just white just everything but that and yet it is so relatable but also it turns into like a learning experience of like oh i didn't know this i i didn't know the yes. history of yes india and pakistan and all all that the partition everything like that and so yes. i'm watching it going like oh wow okay i didn't know any of this. this is interesting to me that you know they're kind of it kind of gives you a little history lesson and and also gives you a window into their culture, which is which is great, I think. I think it's simultaneously like it's great for representation that people are that are of that heritage are like, oh my god, this is like this is me, this is my life and my family. Um, I'm looking at this going like, well, this is, you know, these are real people. So you know, they they of course it it feels real to me, but also I'm learning a lot and I'm I'm seeing this through their eyes. So you know, it's it goes both ways ultimately it's just fun it's just a fun show it really they go a long way of like just making so many really interesting characters and all of them are fleshed out her family is great and everything it just it just a fun time dude episode three destined half of the episode was just a wedding and a party i know i loved it like (laughs) Like, literally, you're just watching them dance and hang out and eat, and you're just, like, it's a it's like a cultural observation without Steve Carell making fun of it, you know? Like, <laughs> it was, exactly. it, it was, it, like, that. that's the, that's the I, I really, I swear I'm not trying to sound racist. Like, I know that Indian and Pakistani are different, but, like, the, the closest thing I ever saw to that was, like, the Office episode where they celebrate Diwali. You know, like that, <laughs> yeah. that, that's honestly the closest I've ever come to that kind of cultural immersion. And so it was really fascinating, especially with my wedding coming up to see how other cultures celebrate. And it was, it was, it was interesting and it was different. And, um, and, and it was, like you said, it was just fun. Like they, they made it to where you're just watching people have fun. And honestly, Marvel's kind of been missing that. Pretty much all of Phase 4, outside of maybe Owen Wilson's character on Loki, very few people seem to be having fun at what they're doing. It's always, you know, oh, life sucks, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm dying, or oh, I'm trapped in this parallel universe, or oh, you know, I, I, I lost my kids in another dimension. Like, th- there's all these woe-is-me tropes going on, and then you have an episode like this where it's just a party. And then you have another episode where it's like a history lesson, taking a look at partition in 1942. And so I I, I really appreciate what this show tried to do. It, it doesn't necessarily mean it was like my favorite 
Marvel piece or part of like my favorite Marvel Phase Four. Um, I think that still does belong to Wandavision, but uh, who knows? the The rankings may shake up once I watch the finale. Yeah, I, I like. I'm not sitting here going like, "Oh, it's my favorite out of all of this." I'm not. I'm not really saying that, and I'm not. I'm not saying that this is like the most groundbreaking series of all of them, but it's it's it does do some interesting things. It it's its tone is unlike anything we've really seen before in the MCU, I think. And ultimately, I'm left going like, I enjoyed that a lot. It wasn't about oh, it saved the world this or whatever else or, you know, it was just kind of some happy fun times and i'm really looking forward to like you know more from this character because like iman villani is so good as that character like it's like full stop she's amazing and so i'm looking forward to more of her interactions because this is pretty self-contained you don't really get to see her interact with any other characters right in the mcu but she's living in this universe and you know she's a gigantic fangirl you know it's going to be interesting when she crosses paths with other characters um specifically her her idol captain marvel like that's that moment is going to be wild cannot wait for that because you know it's going to happen eventually but uh you know just her 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 acting the fact that she's never acted before like in general is just mind-blowing um yeah but her 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 performance is a highlight. I was I was gonna bring that up. I was gonna I was uh, you stole my thunder a little bit there. Man. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I really admire the fact that they got somebody with literally no acting experience. They like maybe she done some school productions or something, but her IMDb profile was blank. She had done no commercials. She had done no other TV shows. No bit roles. Nothing of the sort. They went with somebody completely new, and it worked. It really, really worked, and that impressed the heck out of me. I think part of that, I'll admit, has to do with her supporting cast as well. Yeah. Because I I did look up some of the other um, players, I guess, some of the other cast members, and I found out that um, Matt Lintz, the guy who played Bruno, right? he auditioned for Spider-Man. I heard about this. Yeah. He, he tried out for Spider-Man and lost out to the very talented Tom Holland. But I actually kind of saw some of those Spider-Man vibes in Lintz's demeanor. Like, he brought Bruno's character to life for sure. But I definitely see where they were coming from with him auditioning for Spider-Man. He kind of has a very similar charisma to him, and, and I like that. And then um, the other one that I that I really appreciated was um, Mohan Kapoor, who played the father, Yusuf. Oh, yeah, he's so great. He When he barged in with the body paint and the and the green shirt pretending to be like a Muslim Hulk, I was like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, I like the supporting cast is is a highlight as well. Like, like I think that's probably my only good play. It's just like I wanted more Bruno. I wanted I wanted more of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you, you do get a heck of a lot of all of them, but uh, and and there's some that there's some that pop up in the finale. I won't spoil anything, but okay. you know, there's some that that come back in the finale. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot about I forgot about you. Forgot about you. And they're they're fleshed out a bit more, which is great. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Now, I I, I looked up um, Mohan Kapoor, the father. Um, Apparently, he's done some pretty serious productions on the other side of the world. He is essentially like a Bollywood star who is finally making his way to America. Wow, that's cool. And so, like, he's he's kind of middle-aged, a little bit older. He was born in 65 in India, and... He's he's finally making his way into bigger productions like what they've done here with with Ms. Marvel. And honestly, I, I'm so excited for, for people like him who have done the time, you know, they, they have they have put in the work doing stuff for for other people that Americans haven't gotten to, you know, see through mainstream media and now he's finally getting the attention of of Hollywood and it's it's so deserved and again i feel like he carried himself so well yeah yeah they were all he, he especially and uh uh again more finale thoughts there's a scene with him at the end that is like so great it's so great can't, can't yeah if you when you when you when you get to that scene you you will know exactly what I'm talking about. He's, I'm sure he's I so will. good. I'm sure I will. And I'm about to to discuss uh Thor Love and Thunder talking about scenes that you're about to see in the next day or two and I'll be like right. when you when you see that scene you will know what scene I'm talking about. And <laughs> like there there's there's stuff on, on both of those equations that um that that, that make it uh it it's so hard to not go too deep into it, but um, I I I will say, Ms. Marvel cracked the top ten for me. Wow! It cracked the top ten of Marvel Phase Four. There's thirteen productions of 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 Marvel just for Phase Four, if you include the movies and the TV series. Right, and it will probably climb depending on how the finale goes. Because right now it's kind of like in that eight nine region around What If and Hawkeye. Um, but I feel like it could probably leapfrog Hawkeye. It could probably leapfrog Falcon and Winter Soldier, depending on how much I enjoy the finale. And honestly, if the finale's as good as people are saying it is, it could end up surpassing Love and Thunder. Right now, Thor Love and Thunder is at number six for me. Oh, wow. But it could climb. Um, it Like, Ms. Marvel could climb all the way up to, like, that sixth spot. I don't know if it'll make it to five, because I did really enjoy Moon Knight, particularly, like, the last two or three episodes of it. And I just, I don't know if Moon Knight can get unseated from the fifth spot, but I guess we'll see. Fair enough. Um, okay, what are what are some other thoughts about Ms. Marvel that you would want to touch on before we switch to a different show? 
Um, I don't know, I've said a lot already. Um, I will. I all I really say right now is just like, um, I think a lot of people may be dismissing the show out of hand, and that's a shame. Yeah. Because I think, uh, I mean, I, and and maybe you're. You know, not in a bad way, just saying, hey, you know, I'm not, you know, I can't really relate to this character. You know, it's, it's, you know, she, she's, she's different than other superheroes. And I was like, this is exactly why you need to watch it is because it's, you know, it's, it's something I guarantee you will learn something um, about a different culture. And then, you know, also um, there's some stuff happening here that's uh, going to be very, very relevant for the rest of the MCU. You're going to be. You're going to be watching this. Sh- you're going to be if you skip this show, you're going to be watching other stuff in the MCU going like, wait, did I miss something? Yeah, because <sighs> you didn't watch Miss Marvel. OK, see, you missed something. And, and here, here that's that's the whole that's the long and short of it. See, that I think that is what some people are actually kind of complaining about is how much the cinematic parts of the MCU are now contingent on the Disney Plus shows. True. Like, I wasn't expecting Multiverse of Madness to be a direct follow-up to WandaVision, and yet it was. Like, yeah, like, yeah, it is, like straight up. It is straight up a continuation of the events of WandaVision, and the Marvels is very likely going to be a continuation of what happens in Ms. Marvel. So, if you don't watch that, then yeah, you're gonna be missing out. So, I, some people are complaining about it. I feel like you just need to get Disney Plus. <laughs> like, if you have, I mean, like, yeah. Like, it's been around for two plus years now. If you haven't gotten Disney Plus yet, I don't know what's wrong with you. It is, it is chock full of really, really awesome, relevant, pertinent now stuff, as well as libraries of stuff from our childhoods and beyond, you know? Like, the entire. Movie Vault is on there. All of Pixar is on there. There's TV shows from the Disney Channel, like The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, are on there. You know, like, it's got a little bit of everything for everybody. And if you're really complaining that stuff on Disney Plus is important to the MCU, you're really just complaining about Disney Plus. You're not complaining about the MCU. That's... That's a good thing, in my opinion. That's the the fact that like everything is important. That like you can watch even a, a little old TV show on a streaming service, and it's like really important. Like they've put the time and effort into it. That this is important. That, that the creators value it. That's that's the dream right there. That's because because what used to happen is uh you know we'd we'd have uh you know the movies and then we'd watch those uh, little series on Netflix and it was clear that the creators of the MCU did not give a crap about Daredevil or any of those things couldn't because they were doing their own thing and didn't have the rights to deal with those characters right and you know so it was fun i enjoyed watching daredevil i'm i'm in the middle of a daredevil rewatch right now um i need to get back to it because i've been watching too much miss marvel but uh you know those shows were fun, but they were inconsequential to the overall plot of the MCU. Not, not now, not now. And uh, apparently, Daredevil's coming back too. And and I think so. Uh, there that that's all being uh, righted, but that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. It, from what I've heard, it's the the She Hulk series and the Echo series that are going to be 
including some of the stuff from the Daredevil universe. So I'm right. pretty I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, but that's probably for another conversation for another time. Uh, Kenny in the chat here on Mixler says, I love Ms. Marvel as my favorite Marvel TV show since Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And as a huge Ms. Marvel comic book fan, this series was pure perfection. See, that's the other thing. I haven't read the comics. Yeah, and me neither. So, so to hear it from a comics fan that, that they incorporated the comics component appropriately is a relief to hear, honestly. So, yeah. Um, very glad to hear that. Appreciate the input, Kenny. Thanks for being a part of our live broadcast tonight. Jesse checked in a little while ago, also just saying, hey, guys, and talking about personal lives needing to come first. And so, uh, appreciate that support. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Jesse, uh, in the not too distant future here. Mm -hmm. Um, he provided us with a list, I believe. And then he's a, a patron of the show. So he gets, he gets a lot of love and attention here on the program, but, um, I I think as far as Ms. Marvel's concerned, I may have a few more thoughts on the next episode. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. mm -hmm. by then I'll definitely be done with it. Um, but I am looking forward to what's next already without even needing to see the finale. And... I think that says a lot about a show that you don't even need to see the finale to anticipate the next season or the next appearance of a character. Oh, for sure. I think for I think sure. I think that speaks volumes. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm not going to spend as much time on Strange New Worlds. Um have you seen any of Strange New Worlds, the the Star Trek show? I have not seen a single episode yet. I've, I've, it's funny. I've watched more behind the scenes stuff for that show than I have anything because it keeps popping up at my feet, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. Um, but I've been trying to avoid spoilers because I haven't watched that because I was kind of like holding off so I could just binge through it. Well, it's ready to binge now. The entire oh yeah, the entire season's up there, all ten episodes. And my my dad sent me a, a message. He's he was going through it a little while ago. And he, I think he ended up watching the season finale by accident. Like he was, he was binging and episode 10 finished. And he's like, wait, there's no 11. And I was like, nope, it's only a 10 episode season. And he's like, damn it. Like he got all upset because he, he binged it and finished it sooner than he thought and sooner than he wanted to. And I think that is one of the biggest statements somebody could make about any show, but particularly this Star Trek show, is that A, it's super bingeable, B, it's a lot of fun, and C, you don't want it to end. That's an excellent compliment. It, it, that, the, those are the big takeaways that, that I got from it. And the other really big thing, and I wasn't expecting this from this show, um, but... I I'm trying hard not to like spoil too too much, but I'm sure spoilers are out there already. So I'm trying to. Like, I've I've seen stuff. I'm not too worried. I'm trying to like strike the balance a little bit towards the tail end of the season. There's an episode that straight up borrows from the Alien franchise. Oh yeah, I think I heard about that one. It's it's like a straight up horror episode, 
And in my opinion, it's like top 10, top 15 Star Trek episodes ever, period. Ah, wow. Like, the, the, the writing, the execution, the intensity, the, the CGI, the, the, the way the, the story concludes, it's just all of it is so, so good. The acting, the directing, the, the camera shots, the lighting, the music... It's just it's just banger after banger. They just keep knocking it out of the park. And I I really appreciate how much respect this show is paying to the 60s TV series cuz it's supposed to be set a few years before Kirk becomes captain of the Enterprise. So it's right. it's it's probably like five to ten years ish before Kirk is the captain of NCC one seven oh one. So right now we've got Captain Pike. And part of the story involves Captain Pike being able to see into his future. And the future that he sees is the same type of future that befalls the Christopher Pike of the 60s TV show. Oh my gosh. Like, he's able to see himself in his little motorized chair with his face deformed, unable to speak, etc., etc., just like the Christopher Pike of the original series. And part of, like, his decision-making as a captain is based on the knowledge that he's not going to die because this fate will be befalling him in about 10 years' time. So he gets like this, this weird balance of, do I play it safe in order to make it there, or do I ride it fast and loose because I know nothing's going to happen to me? And so it, it's, it's really interesting seeing how he strikes that balance and how he balances his leadership styles, um, hearkening from past experiences while also recognizing that they are going into uncharted territory and maybe he has to be a little more careful. Um, All of that is on display in this show. And for the most part, outside of maybe episodes 9 and 10, for the most part, every episode is self-contained. Wow. Very much like the original series. In the original series, you've got like some sort of setup where the Enterprise is being sent over to this space station or sent to survey this planet or sent to, you know, deliver supplies to this outpost at this part of a, you know, remote star cluster, whatever. There there's some sort of assignment that they have. They get there, and something bad happens, and uh, over the course of the episode, it gets worse, and then by the end of the episode, they figure it out, and, you know, save the day in the nick of time, and then continue on their way, and everything's happily ever after by the end of the episode, move on to your next mission. Like, that is the full circle storytelling that existed back in the 60s, because they didn't want a serialized story back then. They wanted you to be able to just turn on Star Trek whenever it was on TV, watch that one episode, enjoy it, and then not have to worry about if you missed next week's episode. Yeah. 
And it's and, yeah, and, and I love that. And, and this show is different. You know, it, it has the option of being able to binge one right after the other because it's a Paramount Plus original. And yet, in spite of being able to hand a serialized story to you on a silver streaming platter, they stick to the original storytelling tropes that existed back in the 60s. And I just, I respect the heck out of that creative decision-making process to stay as true to the original series as they possibly could. That's that's really cool. I, I love the, this whole show being kind of this big throwback of you know not just uh not just in the fact that it's in the same time period as original as original series but also just in the way the story is being told and that's really really cool and it's not because everything now is like oh even the streaming shows (laughs) even even stranger things this show that every episode drops at the same time they're still like every episode is ends with a big cliffhanger. Oh right. my God. You can't figure out what's going to happen next. And it's like, right. I could just watch the episode. Like you, the only temptation is like, do I stay up all night to watch this or not? Yeah. Um, I love kind of like the easing off the gas and just going like, Hey, every episode is kind of be all on its own. And you know, maybe we'll have some big episodes here and there, but for the most part, it's just going to be this fun story. That's uh, very much more episodic in nature. Yes. Yes, it is very episodic, and I and I appreciate that. Like I said, I, I like being able to just put it on for 45 minutes, enjoy the ride, and then move on to, you know, a sitcom or to my video games or go out on date night or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, I don't have to binge, you know, the previous two episodes to know what happens in this third episode or, or what have you. Like, it just it stands on its own. Um... Do you remember the Gorn by any chance? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm familiar with the Gorn, the the big lizard-like creature that Kirk engages in hand-to-hand combat with, and it became the thing of you know iconic memes and stuff because he's basically fighting a man in a dinosaur costume type of deal, like the it it the, it it's given such like dramatic music and and gravitas and the choreography is just it's so choppy and cheesy and it looks so weird um strange new worlds actually gives some intimidation factor to the gorn as a species that's amazing i i love i love when they take those original series things that are you know considered campy and like weird and oh we never touched that no 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 we're gonna do this and do it right and add more meaning to it as opposed to you know and and obviously take some creative liberty with it a little bit obviously you're dealing with uh 2022 special effects versus you know 1966 yep but uh you know so they're they're t- using that to their advantage but if you can it's still done in a way that's like, okay, this is this is really cool and interesting. Well, what's funny is there are certain parts of like the the Star Trek message forums that are like, I'm actually really impressed that Kirk was able to hold his own with a Gorn now, because you you see them in Strange New Worlds, and 
there are characters in the show that are completely terrified of them because they've seen what they're capable of. Hell yeah. And, and you, you actually, you know, encounter a juvenile Gorn at one point in the show. And so by, by reintroducing them with that new special effects, like you said, it actually kind of enhances the previous show, the original series, and gives a little bit more street cred to those people who actually do fight a Gorn creature and live to tell about it. Yeah, that's, you know, and it makes it all the more like, you know, it makes you take the, the, the other stuff that was like, oh, this is goofy, he's Kirk's William Shatner fighting a dinosaur. No, it's, you know, we're taking this stuff seriously. You know, there's there's a reason for this, and, you know, it, it was... It was uh, the, the original series, as campy as it may be, it was sincere in what it was doing. So, you know, why not lean into that? Yep. Yep, very much so. So, uh, long story short, I believe that Strange New Worlds may be one of the better things that Star Trek has produced in recent years. That's not a knock on Discovery. That's not a knock on Lower Decks. I just think this one is resonating with more people and it's doing more for the franchise than some of the other stuff has done previously. I cannot recommend it enough. Just be on the lookout for when episode 10 happens because there's not an episode 11 and it can sneak up on you. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. Okay. Um, I think the only other thing to touch on in the what are you watching segment is Thor Love and Thunder. But since you haven't seen it yet, I really don't want to dive too deep into it. Because I'd really rather save that for like a full-on discussion that we have maybe in a standalone episode for like an hour or something. If you've got the time to record like a standalone episode like we did for Doctor Strange. Like, I think that would be great. I would love that. I, I just uh, just like you haven't had time to watch Miss Marvel. I haven't had time to get out to theaters and watch uh, Thor Love and Thunder. As there is other things to watch and do, but yep. uh, I am oh I'm stoked! Like as soon as I get a chance, I'm gonna probably see it either this weekend or early next weekend. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be itching to talk about it as soon as we as soon as we do that. Yeah, so just be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a five star review. Follow us on our social media at IPC Podcast and all that good stuff. I think we may end up having to release like a special edition standalone episode talking about love and thunder because you know as as much of a spoiler free discussion as i would like to give it even spoiler free wouldn't do justice to this movie Uh, i i think there's a lot of things that are reminiscent of both the guardians of the galaxy and um thor ragnarok and it just it it needs it needs its own episode it really does. And so uh, I would say if you're like Ben and you haven't seen Love and Thunder yet, um, I would definitely recommend going and checking it out because there are some very funny moments and the post credit scenes set up a lot for the future of the phase. 
Um, mm. I wouldn't say for the MCU as a whole, but as far as Phase 4 is concerned, the post credit scenes do a lot. It's not like your typical post credit stuff where it's like a joke or it's like, you know, very, very little, very insignificant. There's some pretty significant stuff that happens in those post credit scenes that are worth watching. Um, Natalie Portman kills it. I, I loved her. Um, That's great. Making a return. She does a fantastic job. Um, she fits into this as well as she did as Jane in some of the older stuff. Like, she embraces this role. She plays it really, really well. She plays off of Hemsworth really, really well. She actually plays off of Tessa Thompson really well, too. Mm. Um, Thompson as Valkyrie is back, and, and you know we've seen in the previews that they're back in action. We've seen in the previews that they go to visit Zeus, and Zeus flicks a little too hard. Um, like Their chemistry is, is really good, and some of the things that they that they do in this show together are also really, really well done. And surprisingly enough, Christian Bale makes a pretty damn good villain. That's great. I was, yeah, do, hearing him get cast in this, I was like, okay, this is really cool. Knowing that he, 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 uh, he did a good job, I think, and it made an impression. Very exciting. Yeah. It's, it, I I don't think it's the best Thor movie ever made. I think mm-hmm. I think Ragnarok still holds that title. But it's probably the second best Thor movie ever made. Wow. It, uh, well, okay, but the first Thor movie was him in the middle of nowhere New Mexico trying to get his hammer back. And the second Thor movie we don't talk about. It's like Bruno. <laughs> Like, <laughs> we just we just don't talk about that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's uh so there's not a lot of a good competition. Although I do quite like the first Thor movie after going back and watching it a couple times. Um, yeah, D- Dark World. Uh, yeah, shall not be named. Oh, I just named it. Oops. Ha! I feel like you did that on purpose. Mm. But Maybe yeah, yeah. Um. Hit that subscribe button, like I said, and that way you'll know exactly when we end up talking about this movie in detail. Because Thor is the first MCU character to get four standalone movies. So Crazy. I think that says a lot right there. You, you look back at the old, what was it, Paramount? The old Paramount days, and he's got a movie there, and then you've got three more that come after that. This is this is the first MCU character to get four standalone movies and it's for a good reason. So, Thor Love and Thunder, be on the lookout for that. We'll probably have it up hopefully in the next week to 10 days? Question mark. But... We'll, we'll, we'll be on the lookout. You be on the lookout for it, you know. We will we'll obviously uh follow us at uh IPC podcast uh, because if we do anything, whether it's a, a live episode or something pre-recorded that we're releasing, it'll show up on there ASAP. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, okay, there's a few pieces of news, and we were talking about Marvel Phase Four, um, so it's probably good to go ahead and, and get into the newsreel, talking about some stuff from Thor, um, particularly, and then some stuff. Um, from the Loki set, which has begun filming on season two. 
But uh, apparently, who was it? Was it James Gunn that was quoted saying this? Uh, Thor was never going to be in Guardians 3, apparently. Well, yeah, there was something that went down on Twitter where uh, there was a live stream that I think tagged him and, and was like, hey, you know... I wish I wish I wish James Gunn had never been like fired because all that stuff happened years ago. I wish he'd been able to like do his full Guardians 3 and have Thor be part of the Guardians and be in that movie. And he came out and said, um, quote, if I can actually bring up the tweet really quick. Oh, I see it. Um Yeah, he says uh basically uh thanks for the love. I appreciate the love, but Thor was never going to be in Volume 3. So James Gunn's putting out there that Thor was never in contention. He was never going to be in his movie. Um, and I don't know if that's a spoiler for Thor Love and Thunder. I, I haven't seen the movie personally, so, you know, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it seems, it seems likely that, you know, I, I, it felt, it felt uh, natural that uh, – after Thor: Love and Thunder, you know, maybe the 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 as Guardians of the Galaxy maybe wouldn't continue too far, um, but now this is kind of confirmation that not only is he not going to be in Guardians three, he was never really going to be there in the first place, and so you know, take that as you will. You know, I I loved the the dynamic between Thor and and uh, Star Lord that was great. But, uh, you know, I would love to see more of it. But, you know, let James Gunn do do his James Gunn thing. I I think it's for the best that um, that, 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 that you don't overdo it. Because then I feel like not only is Gunn kind of got his hands tied to a certain extent, but now you're coming up with a whole new vibe and a whole new dynamic from something that you've been building on for the past two movies. You know what I mean? Like you have been establishing the friendship, the family nature, the relationships of the actual guardians of the galaxy. And then you throw in an Asgardian into the midst of all of it. That one person kind of becomes disruptive to the status quo. And in some ways that can be a good thing, but in other ways, Maybe not so much. And maybe as a filmmaker, you know, James Gunn's, you know, he wants to tell a story with his characters and throwing Thor into the mix, you know, may not be as interesting for him, um, which is totally fair. Um, but, you know, I think ultimately the, the, the creator's will is is being done here. So, you know, fair enough. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Love and Thunder and, you know, where that goes and where Thor ends up, because I don't know, honestly. Um, and, you know, what what the future will hold for all these characters. But uh, we still, I, I can't believe Thor, Guardians 3 is right around the corner, too. Yeah, and, and I'm excited for that also. Um, I'm not going to give away any spoilers. You do get some character dynamics between Thor and the Guardians, but... Um, I won't I won't spoil it to what extent uh or for how long their duration is in the movie or if there's something that causes them to part ways or you know what have you but I think the fact that they're together at the end of Endgame and then they're not together by volume 3 you kind of put 2 plus 2 <laughs> together and figure out what happens in this movie more or less 
Well, I mean, if you watch the trailers, it's like, yeah, there's some scenes where he's with the Guardians, and then there's some scenes when he's clearly off on his own, doing his own thing. So, you know, but, you know, like I said, put two and two together, you can kind of figure it out. So, and that's totally fine. It is. It is. But enjoy what you can while it's there. That's what I'll say. Yeah, exactly. Okay, continuing on the uh, the the Marvel MCU Phase Four, um, there's a page on Twitter called Marvel News Feed that has released a few new images from Loki season two, and I think one of the things that I find interesting, uh, particularly about the very first set image, is there is another. TVA prisoner in the shot with Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. Yeah. And I really don't know what purpose that TVA prisoner would serve. Why would you have Loki as the TVA prisoner in season one, and then you bring this guy in to be almost the same type of guy in season two? Maybe he's a red herring. Maybe he's a red shirt and he's, you know, going to be off (laughs) in like his first scene. I don't really know, but I'm I'm definitely intrigued and excited for the stuff that that is coming out and what we're um, likely going to be getting soon. Yeah, yeah, and there's been a bunch of photos floating around. There was some in London, I think downtown London, and uh, um, uh, Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson were in tuxedos. So there's stuff going on there. Who knows? Um, and the this most striking image that came out of this was the fact this doesn't appear to be like off camera stuff. This appears to be like they're acting in this. It's Tom Hilson and Sofa Sophie Di Martino um as Loki and Sylvie in front of a McDonald's. <laughs> and they're like coming out of McDonald's and she's drinking something and he's like, you know, trying to follow her and I don't know, maybe she's pissed off about something. I don't know what's going on here. But uh you know, who knows what's happened, but the fact is, Loki and Sylvie go to McDonald's, probably, I guess, in the 80s, it looks like maybe the 80s, I don't know, 70s, 80s, um, it's just a very, very striking image, you're like, what? okay, what is this, what is going on here, so yeah, very excited for season two. It's it's kind of funny, because in the photo, Hiddleston is kind of looking at the ground, almost like he's confused, or or frustrated, like, how can you eat junk food at a time like this? It looks like she just threw like he like he she's like he's like trying to get her attention and she just like threw him like some kind of verbal jab and he's like okay <laughs> he's like trying to shake it off and yeah. try to try to make contact again uh in in his only Loki can. What do you make of her new hairdo? I'm kind of on the fence to be honest. Yeah, it's very okay, I'm going to go out in here and make a prediction here. I think they're Okay, so some people online said that her costume looks to be an actual, maybe a McDonald's uniform. I think, my suggestion here, and I could be completely wrong here, that she is stuck here. She got marooned here, something, and she's working at McDonald's. Like, she's like... That's, she's at her low point now. She's just like... She's leaving. He like He's discovered her here, and he's like... Oh, you work at McDonald's. Like, you know, she's and of course she's mad at him because like, maybe she's been stuck here for a while and she's been waiting on him. I don't know. Um, that's just wild speculation that just popped into my head to me. Like, okay, that would make sense. And so 
she has this kind of weird hairstyle that looks kind of something that you would see in the 80s. So maybe she's just she's just kind of trying to blend in. It's a mullet with highlights. It looks like something you'd see in Stranger Things. It looks like something you see in Stranger Things. Maybe. That's what that that's what that's my line of thinking. Interesting. Well, if you want to have a look at these images, just follow at Marvel News Feed to uh, take a look at the thread. That's where we found it. Honestly, a lot of the stuff that we're finding these days is from social media. I saw a report not too long ago that um, Gen Zers don't use Google to find information anymore. They use Instagram and TikTok as their search engines. I mean, if I want to find like super updated information like right stuff that's happening right now i go to twitter because yeah i know because i know google's not going to update that quickly you know if i type something in google it's like oh you know might be a few hours few days um i know i go to go to go to twitter right now and type in hashtag loki it's going to give me and, and click on latest it's going to give me all the latest set photos from loki and you know that's 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 important so and these kids these days, they're smart. They're smart. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I still find Also it. scary that people are getting news from TikTok. <laughs> right? Like, that is the new search engine? That's just... Oh, um, man. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of... It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. But also, I'm old. <laughs> I'm old. I don't understand all this stuff. This is, a, this is a poor and rather unfortunate example, but it is relevant most of the information that I got about the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, I got from Twitter. Cause I, honestly, same. There were Probably. there were reporters that were on the scene. There were, you know, uh, newscasters that were doing chopper shots and you know on the street interviews and stuff. There were students from the high school that were tweeting about how they knew the guy or posting pictures of their missing cousins and stuff. And I was like, Oh damn, this is like, this is super up to the minute, super relevant, super real. And you definitely don't get that from Google. If I'm being honest. No, no, it's, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta use, everybody knows where their, where their place is and where they can, where they can find reliable information. So, uh, just, but TikTok, just Do TikTok? Okay, but TikTok? I don't know, man. I, I watch it for like the funny animal videos. TikTok has become like my new America's funniest home videos. Do you remember that show? Oh, well, yeah. With, with, uh. Good old uh, rest in peace, Bob Saget. Yep, yep. Bob Saget hosted it for a while, and then Tom Bergeron hosted it for a while. Oh yeah. And I think Carlton is hosting it now. Yeah, I think I think I see because like it comes on. I don't really watch TV anymore, like cable. <laughs> but, right. Uh, you know, every occasion I'll see it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's that show's still going. It's been going since like literally I was born. Since the '90s, since the '80s, yeah. Back then, you had to like put it on a VHS tape and like mail it to them, and then maybe it got put on TV. Like now, you just send it to them in an email or something. Who knows? Oh, and and by the way, I, I am on Twitter right now. Um, and there's already uh, comics of uh, Sylvie working at McDonald's, and and Loki shows up and she throws fries at his face. So that that could be canon. I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. 
It sounds very accurate if, if you're asking yeah. me. Yeah, it does. It does. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna pause um, from segments because we've only got two of them left. The we got our top five coming up in just a second, and then we'll have a uh, follow up on a previous barbecue discussion that mm-hmm. we have done here on the show. But before we do into that, we just want to uh, give a shout out to those that financially contribute to the program. A special shout out and thanks to our friends Joey Mays and Jesse Bennett for their support of the show. They are both at the shout out friend tier on Patreon or above. And if you want exclusive group access, behind-the-scenes info, or to have influence on the topics of the show or anything else, then be sure to hit us up at patreon.com slash ipcpodcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash ipcpodcast. We didn't do it tonight because we kind of threw them together at the last second, but usually you get access to the show notes that we are actually working from on the Google document that I'm reading this off of. There is a special private group on Facebook called the Peacekeeper Core that you get to be a part of where you get exclusive access to certain stuff before anybody else on social media does. Like, I posted the top five prompt in the Peacekeeper Core a day before I sent it to the public group. So they got to see it before anybody else did. You get top billing during our top five segments. I need to remember to give those people the top billing and not just read them in sequence Ben, help me remember that Joey and Jesse get their top fives read off first before anybody else. And then if your schedule allows, we try to bring you on to the show as well. Or sometimes we hop on to your show if you have one. Um, Our friend Jesse has a show that he's been doing for, I want to say, almost a year now, maybe more than a year. It's called Question Possible Answer. And he says, at Question Possible Answer, we review movies while also trying to incorporate real-world physics into the movie and see how much the story would change. Sometimes it's as simple as, what if this person wasn't in the movie? For more information, you can check out the socials on Facebook and Instagram just by searching for Question Possible Answer. And, of course, you can listen on your favorite podcatcher. Ben, I've got a really fun story for you that uh, I wanted to share about yeah. about this reader believe it or not one of our listeners actually hit Jesse up and offered their services as a graphic designer for his podcast because of our ad on the show <laughs> it's amazing oh my gosh sometimes i don't realize that i have that kind of influence I, it's hard to believe. But Jesse wrote me the other day and was like, thanks to the promo that I've run on IPC, I found a graphic designer to help me come up with three new art pieces. Thanks for running the promo. Hope the future, hopeful for the future format on IPC. We do have this new format, and it may change up in frequency as well, so we may have to adjust how much we're charging on our Patreon, to be honest. Hopefully our patrons reach out to us and decide what they think is a fair rate for what they're getting, but right. uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. He actually sent me a screenshot of the exchange, and at the very end of the thread, the, the person sending them the messages said, I haven't heard episodes, but have been meaning to check them out, and I'm familiar based on the promotion from IPC. 
That's fantastic. So, uh, person who offered their services, I hope you don't feel like your privacy was just violated. I'm actually really excited. So, I apologize if you feel like I didn't. I didn't say your name. I didn't say what your profile picture looked like. I didn't say anything like that. I'm just excited that our advertising is actually working. You know, people are going and listening to question possible answer they are helping jesse's show get better and that's just a really cool thing sometimes i forget that i have that kind of influence that's i i'm in disbelief honestly this is so cool it, that that's one of the reasons why i love doing this show you never know what's going to happen next except, you truly don't except when you do know that the next segment is a top five segment and this one's really different. It's it's different from anything that we've really ever done before. And I'm really curious to see how this plays out. Um, this is actually a Twitter screenshot that I found several days ago. It was on the 3rd of July. So it's almost a two-week-old post. But people are still resharing it on Twitter and still talking about it. It had over 10,000, 11,000 quote tweets, um, myself included, talking about how they would answer this question from username at Danielle Nikki, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-N-I-C-K-I. Danielle Nikki says, you're teaching a TV writing course. What's the five perfect shows that you assign your students to study. Wow. I I think that is just such a deep question. I think it's it's so interesting to to look at shows that you consider well written and why and how would you categorize them? How would you rank them? And why would you give them such importance that you have the next generation of aspiring writers go and watch those shows in order to get ideas? Yeah. Um, and I will say, full disclosure, before we, when we get to our lists, um, I approached mine a very specific way. Very okay. specific way. That I have never really done before with a top five. So uh, really? I'm, uh, I'm curious to see how everyone else approaches theirs because this is a very interesting question um the first time we've ever uh been inspired by a tweet just someone <laughs> just tweeting out but hey it's great thanks thanks so much uh danielle for, for 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 making this tweet and so we got a little idea out of it um and real quick i'm just gonna go to our patrons really quick um mm-hmm. Because we've got Joey Mays and Jesse Bennett, um, who sent in lists. Um, Joey says, uh, number five, Blue Bloods. Number four, Veronica Mars. Number three, Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Uh, number two, Eureka. And number one, I think one that somebody might like, Friends. Hey. So he says, uh, try to get a mix of comedy slash drama slash animation. Wish I could give reasons for each, but don't have the time at the moment. Sorry. Have a great show. No problem, Joey. Thank you so much for sending in a list, and that was great. At least he sent something in. He usually does give really great descriptors, but uh, we got a lot of really good ones uh, from other folks. Steven sent in a very descriptive list. Uh, Matthias sent in a very descriptive list. Robin gave some really, really great answers about 20 minutes ago. So cutting it a little bit close there, Robin, but you got it in just in time. So um, hopefully... um, 
everybody was able to, to provide the input that they wanted to. If you're listening live right now, you can join the chat on Mixler and we will get to you at the very, very end uh, of the show if you're if you're tuning in live. Uh, you could also, you know, write to us on social media and maybe we can get to it on the next episode that we do and be like, oh, hey, these people were a little bit late, but here's their list. Okay, here's the new list that we're going to be talking about this week. Pretty much every episode moving forward, we're going to have some sort of a top five segment. It just depends on what we're going to be talking about. So um, be on the lookout for that. Really excited for what's still to come. Um, Jesse's list is is also really, really interesting because like Joey um, tried to get like a blend of different stuff. And it was kind of interesting to see how he went these directions. And I actually really kind of respect the approach that he took. At number five, he's got True Blood. At number four, get this, Bill Nye, the science guy. Oh, my gosh. At number three, Star Wars, the Clone Wars. At number two, Breaking Bad. And here's number one, and and I'm going to give his his preface before I reveal his number one. He said, some of these are chosen for educational benefits, others for entertainment, but each can be considered perfect in their own way for the time that they were released in. You ready for what his number one masterclass of television writing is for his list? Mm, no. Sesame Street. <laughs> That's amazing. You're teaching a TV writing course. What's the five perfect shows you assign your students to study? The number one thing Jesse would assign is... Sesame Street. And you know what? I don't disagree. I really, really don't. Because when you're talking about being able to write a show that is clever enough that it doesn't bore parents to death, but also like intelligent and educational enough that kids are learning things like words and, and compound words and how to share and how to uh, sing along in, in beat and time... Uh, the the alphabet numbers there are so many things that Sesame Street teaches younger viewers and it it really is a masterclass at being able to blend creative writing with educational learning yeah I mean it really is like speaking of strictly educational you know benefits like like Jesse points out like you know you have to look at shows like sesame street like you know it's 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 amazing and it's like wow it's an off-the-wall choice but actually makes a whole lot of sense leave it to jesse you know (laughs) so those i think those are no matthias is also a patron so we'll get to matthias's list now yeah I, i almost forgot that he's a patron i'm sorry matthias he he's actually um he's he's actually contributing the like I had to do the 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 conversion but he is contributing from his currency the equivalent of I want to say 5 or 6 bucks a month. Oh jeez. Five, 5 or 6 US dollars per month. But it's like I want to say it's like 40 something in his currency, like 45, 46 something like that. And when I saw that, I was like, "Oh my gosh." 
Are we really worth I this, was like, Matthias? Matthias, you are overpaying, my dude. But then I did the I did the whole conversion thing, and I was like, actually, you know what? That's still really generous. So we we appreciate your patronage, dude. Thank you so much. Um, it says I will just go for my favorites here. Honorable mention goes to Band of Brothers. Both a great um, show how uh, war affects people and a great way to learn history. And then at number five, he's got Veronica Mars. Fun, deeply interesting, and also gives a good young detective angle. Number four, Grim. Great premise that introduces us to a wide and fascinating world while also giving it life and cool characters. My favorite fantasy show. Number three, The X-Files. Not sure every episode is equally good, but there is still many fantastic episodes that give us a deeper understanding of the characters, the world they live, as well as our own, and so much more. At number two, Breaking Bad. The one show that makes the most sense in all of TV and takes some phenomenal writing. The acting is spot on, and the rest is thrilling. And then number one, don't think there's any surprise to this one. He's a Star Wars super fan. His number one is The Clone Wars. Gave me some of my favorite characters, and he lists them off. Ahsoka, Rex, Bo-Katan, Maul, Cad Bane, Hondo, Fives, 99. Story arcs like Mandalore, Season 5 of Ahsoka, Heroes on Both Sides, Umbara, Mortis, Yoda, Order 66... Um, said it humanizes so many of the characters, especially the clones, and gave me great introduction to the galaxy far, far away. Sure, it has its fair share of mistakes, but either way, it is still some of the greatest TV shows ever. For me, at least. That's a, that's a great list. I really, I, I love, I love, I love the details, too. I love the explanations. Details are some of my favorite things. I know Joey wasn't able to send them tonight but um i find it interesting that veronica mars made it into both matthias and joey's top five list uh that's interesting i I don't i don't think i see it in anyone else's lists unless i'm missing something i don't think i am no Uh, i'm looking i'm looking at robins i'm looking at uh definitely not in jake's (laughs) (laughs) okay Jake, I love you, dude, but <laughs> oh my gosh. No, no, okay, well, let's just get it out of the way really quick, um, uh, even though we shouldn't even be reading it because this isn't fair, but uh, because Jake Damon is, is Jake Damon, we let him get away with this. Um, he says, uh, number five, Breaking Bad. Number four, Breaking Bad. Number three, Breaking Bad. Number Ugh. two, Breaking Bad. And number one, the first season of True Detective. Um, and then he has another comment. He says, also, I'm also going to add, going to add another honorable mention, Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh my gosh! How dare you? Oh, Jacob. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rattle off a, a real list really quickly here, but um, in exchange. For me doing like four out of the last five lists, you get to do Stevens this time. That seems totally fair. <laughs> um, I I sent the list to a couple of group chats to see if anybody would reply, and uh, my dad actually sent a list in, and his is kind of eclectic, but a lot of it is um, 
It's it's a blend of old with with a little bit of new, but not super new. Um, I don't really know what the order is because he didn't give me numbers, but his his five for assigning to your students would be the Dick Van Dyke Show, um, Seinfeld, mm-hmm. Friends. So we got a couple of '90s sitcoms in there. There's a a Western show that's on right now called 1883. And he and my mom both really love that show. And then at the top of his list, or, you know, quasi at the top, is MASH. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good choice. So Dick Van Dyke, Seinfeld, Friends, 1883, and MASH. That's my dad's five. That's wild. It's it's interesting that three of those are sitcoms. You know, Seinfeld, Dick Van Dyke, and Friends. But I have a hard time disagreeing with any of it, to be honest. <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you know what my list is going to be. I don't think I'm going to change my list. I, I, I might change one of them around, but I, I think... I think my list is pretty much going to stay the same as it was back in early July, but we'll see. Yeah, I feel you there. I feel you there. Um, okay, um, you, should I go to Stevens now? Or you want you may hit Robbins really quick and then go to Stevens. No, let let let's do Stevens. It'll give me a quick break. My jaw hurts from all this talking. <laughs> um, so if you can do Stevens, I can finish things off with Robbins. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so we're going to Steven Schinder, and uh, he says, uh, uh, didn't actually put any numbers on these. I'm just going to read as he put them. He says, uh, Babylon 5, best sci-fi show. So good, the Paramount that, that Paramount decided to rework its premise and make DS9. It had a five-year plan, and even with casting changes, uh, uh, J. Michael Straczynski made it work. The original main actor, Michael O'Hara, had to be had to leave after season one due to an illness he had. Uh, Bruce Buxleter uh, played a new character who took his place, and it somehow worked. Uh, Londo and uh, Gakar are such entertaining, entertaining rivals. Excuse me, and you get to see how they they and other characters evolve. Side note: I've actually. Met series creator creator JMS and am currently enjoying his amazing Spider-Man run and plan on reading his Thor comics that inspired the first Thor movie. That's really cool. Um, <clears throat> next up, we got Breaking Bad. He said this is probably the best written show I've ever seen. Pretty much everything made sense. Acting was on point, and it was such a thrilling show. What more is there to say? And then he follows it up with Better Call Saul. The premise sounds boring on paper, but somehow works on screen. Uh, Saul Goodman, Saul Goodman from Breaking Bad was a more more depth has more depth in this spinoff prequel that spinoff prequel than while having prequel elements doesn't fall into some of the traps of the other prequels. Can't wait to see how it ends next month. It's wrapping up very soon. Um, Hannibal. Brian Fuller did a great job taking elements from the Hannibal Lecter uh, literature and films, remixing it in a way that honors and the source material while adding fresh stuff. The cliffhanger ending upsets me, but it was worth the ride. With all its surrealist mind screws, an excellent score by Brian Ritzel that I've listened to while writing my books. Um, and then he says, uh, I think this is the final one, Twin Peaks. 
Um, this set the trend for shows like the X-Files, Broadchurch, pretty much all of Brian Fuller's shows and many other shows that are paranormal or supernatural procedurals or just plain quirky and surreal. This show tells the story of how a t- town reacts to a teenage girl's death and how it grapples with the trauma of as FBI agent Dale Cooper tries to figure out who or what did it. The original two-season run flirted with the supernatural and realism, surrealism, but it became more overpowering when David Lynch had more control in the prequel film Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which is still brings me to tears. And, and the third season, released 25 years later, titled Twin Peaks The Return, the third season is more s- surreal than anything else I've seen on American TV, even though I, I was destroyed by the ending. The ride was so worth it because it was so unique with its visuals, its effective horror elements, its superb soundscape and its music that touches the soul. It's a show that feels like a puzzle people want to try and figure out. Um, And then finally, Steven says, I could probably say more about each of these, but maybe I should just leave it there and make it easier. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's a, that's an excellent list. Again, love, love the details and all that. And, uh, it's amazing. We, we posted this late apologies guys. Um, I, and, uh, we still got some like amazing lists, some very detailed thoughts from you guys, which is great. I, I love our listeners. Like seriously to, to put that thing out the prompt like four hours before the show starts and to get uh, as many awesome selections and as much detail as we've gotten from folks like Steven and Matthias and Robin um, is just so awesome. And for moving forward in order to get the quality that we're getting from these top fives, they're pretty much only going to happen in the intergalactic peace hangout group. So you you need to go find Intergalactic Peace Hangout. Go follow us on Facebook at IPC Podcast and then find the group that's attached to it called the Intergalactic Peace Hangout. We're going to be sending those prompts, hopefully a little sooner than I did this week, but we're going to be sending out those top five prompts only to that Facebook group. So you need to be a part of that Facebook group if you want to be able to send in your top five lists. Patrons are going to get top billing like Jesse and Joey did this time around and Matthias. But obviously we're going to have time for everybody's lists um, as long as we don't get like 20 plus in that chat, you know. But if we do get that flooded, then we'll just have to figure out a way to adapt and and get everybody's stuff in. But um, be sure to find the Intergalactic Peace Hangout in order to find the top five prompts and be able to be a part of the show. Absolutely. Okay. On to Robin's list. I'm I'm gonna go five, four, three, two, one, even though Robin's got them listed one, two, three, four, five. Um, just because I like doing a countdown. At five, Robin's got Jack Ryan. At number four, Westworld, but only the first season. Number three, Falling Skies. I remember that show. I never I got do too. I never got around to watching it though. Maybe I should give it a try. Number two is Chernobyl. I believe that was the HBO limited series, wasn't it? Right, with Stellan Skarsgård, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then number one, interestingly, Stranger Things. There you go. And I I say interestingly because I've been doing the rewatch, and I'm towards the end of season three. The first season was absolutely phenomenally written. Second season was really good. 
Third season, I'm having a little trouble with some of the writing. And from what I've heard of the reviews, sometimes the writing can be a little iffy in season four as well. So that's why I called it an interesting choice. I don't know if I would put it in my top five, maybe in my top ten, like in the nine ten region. But Robin's got it at number one. So that's interesting. Very interesting. Honorable mentions include Battlestar Galactica, Broad Church, and lastly, Robin says, I would like to mention The Old Man. Even though the season isn't done yet, I'm only five episodes in, and there's a new episode that just came out, and then there's the finale next week, but I have a feeling this will end up one of the most perfect seasons of TV I've ever seen. The writing is very strong, and probably would have made the list had you asked in a week. (laughs) So, that's that's a fair point. Um, yeah. Sometimes when a season isn't concluded, maybe we don't know or don't really know how we're going to feel about something yet. So I mean, that's the thing with these lists is they can change very quickly. And yes. not just the more thought you put into that, the fact that you, you might watch something next week that, oh my God, that's the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, but as of July 15th, 2022, which was when we recorded this, that is how we feel about it. And uh, once July 16th, 2022 arrives, these lists will be outdated. Yeah, more or less. It's very possible. I mean, my my rankings of MCU Phase 4 will probably change once I see the Ms. Marvel finale. So, True. Who knows? Okay. All right. I am chomping at the bit to, 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 to talk about my list because I put a lot of thought into it. More All thought right. than I usually put into these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, I, I, but I'll I'll let you lead off if you're ready. Yeah, I've got my list. I basically just took a screenshot of my tweet that I made a couple of weeks ago because I don't I don't think I'm going to change anything from this list to be honest. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna refresh everybody's memory of what the top five is by rereading the prompt really quickly just so that it's fresh on everybody's mind. Username at Danielle Nikki on Twitter says you're teaching a TV writing course. What's the five perfect shows you assign your students to study? Clocking in at number five for me is a show that I watched in its entirety after the fact. I didn't watch it live uh, because I didn't have cable, but it helped shape a lot of people's childhoods, and I wish that I had been able to let it shape mine because it is so powerfully written and has such great story arcs and fantastic um, uh, storytelling. Like it, it is probably one of the best written stories I've ever seen. And it's the only animated show on my list at number five. It's avatar. The last airbender. I should have seen that coming, but I've, I mean, heard so many good things about that show over the years, and it makes total sense, and from what I've seen of it, it's brilliant, and yeah. They, they yeah. only needed three seasons to tell the entire story. Some people feel like, oh, three seasons isn't enough. Three seasons is just when it gets, when it starts getting good, that's when it gets going. Uh, for, for some people, it's like, oh, three seasons is too long. That show should have been done after one season. But no, they knew exactly what story they wanted to tell. They knew how they were going to tell it. And they told it 
in the time that they allotted themselves. And the entire encompassing storyline and the development that it gives and the empowerment that it has for women and minorities, the world building that it has, the the action sequences, the sense of adventure, the sense of loss and rage and responsibility, um, having to grow up before you're ready, um, the, the decision to, to choose friends over blood or the the decision to you know do what's right instead of do what your parents tell you to do you know there, there's so many crazy topics that this show covers within the first three or four episodes it touches on the topic of genocide for crying out loud oh wow like this show is way beyond its time and fun fact it's the show that landed Dave Filoni his job at Lucasfilm. Yeah. He was an executive producer slash writer on Avatar The Last Airbender when Lucasfilm called him up and said, I am so-and-so from Lucasfilm Animation. We're making sure that we've got the right Dave Filoni. He thought it was a joke. (laughs) He thought his coworkers were playing a prank on him. And he's like, yeah, right, nice try. There is no Lucasfilm animation. And they're like, oh, no, this is very real, and we want you to come in for an interview. And the rest is history. So without the greatness that is Avatar The Last Airbender, we don't get Star Wars The Clone Wars. It's true. So, yeah, Last Airbender, number five for me. Great, great. Um, I feel like, like I said, I feel like I should have seen that one coming considering how much you've talked about the show. And and this next one for me is pretty predictable. Um, but as I said, I picked all these shows because like I'm like, okay, what are what's a perfect show and what are perfect elements of those shows? And I'm like, I'm not saying that any of the shows that I picked are technically perfect, but there are, there are things in these shows that I'm going to point out. There are specific reasons why I picked them. Right. Um that I think are perfection that okay. are what make these shows special first on the list number five seinfeld yeah and i i saw that coming yeah yeah you saw that coming i think everybody saw that coming the reason i picked this one and this is all in my notes is the interwoven plots and i think if you're teaching a class about tv writing i think you know having dealing with multiple characters and having different storylines, but having all those storylines interconnect and work together in just seamlessly, I think Seinfeld is a masterclass. I think, obviously, it's not through the whole run of the show. Seinfeld kind of peaks in the middle with, like, this type of storytelling. Um, but, like, you know, it starts kind of like samey, average sitcom. Then when it gets to the heights that it is kind of towards, like, season four, season five, whatever, um, you start getting those just epic episodes for lack of a better term of just like all the characters doing different things but they are all crossing over each other at every point and are all playing into Elaine's doing you know something happens and that plays into George's storyline or or plays into Jerry's storyline which plays into Kramer's storyline and it all fits together and a lot of times it ends on a massive punchline of like a scene where either at least two of the storylines kind of converge 
and you'll have something happen, and it's very funny. Um, Seinfeld is just like the writing just like got better and better, I think, as the story moved forward. And it really, I think, if you're talking about TV writing, that show just personifies just like interweaving stories and making it all work together in harmony um, because I think it just did it so well. I think one of the best examples of what you're describing is an episode called The Marine Biologist. Hell yes! <laughs> Where George pretends to be a marine biologist and it comes back and bites him in the face because there's a whale that is beached and suffocating. And it turns out the reason it's suffocating is because Kramer's been hitting golf balls out into the ocean and it lands in the whale's blowhole. And it will always be something like seemingly inconsequential. You're just like a storyline. Kramer's just doing something stupid. He's hitting golf balls into the ocean. Like what can come of this? No, no, it's the culmination. It sets yep. up the culmination of George's storyline, yep. which is him, you know, trying to pay off this stupid marine biologist lie he's got going. Yeah. Um, it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. And that whole speech at the end is is amazing. His his monologue, oh my God. I laughed so hard at that. Like there 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 are some episodes that I really, really love of Seinfeld and some that I really, really am not a fan of. It's it's it can be a little hit and miss for me sometimes. I, I don't love every episode either, honestly. It's one of my favorite shows of all time, but it's not like not every episode hits. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's episodes of Friends that I prefer over other episodes of Friends, even like there's entire seasons that I prefer over other seasons. So like yeah. I, I I get it. But that Marine Biologist episode is probably one of the best episodes of television that I've ever watched, period. Oh, yeah. Totally. So, yeah. Seinfeld is my number five. Okay. Uh, on to my number four, then. And, again, this is from my Twitter page, but I get to extrapolate on why I chose these different things. Um, at number four, I I picked... I wouldn't call it a, a wild card because when you think about the history, this is this is definitely something that deserves to be in a list like this because it was such a precedent center setter for its time. It was a trailblazer for television that did things that television had never done before. And what I mean by that is it was the first television show that starred a woman. Oh. They had never done that before in the history of TV. It was completely new, completely uncharted territory, and it turned into one of the most most beloved and timeless television shows in history, set the stage for women to be able to lead in their own shows, set the stage for equal rights on the small screen. It showed the very first uh, television pregnancy, the very first childbirth episode. Um, it, it made women on television a important and relevant thing that is still important and relevant today. And it could not be done by any other woman than this leading lady. My number four is a 50s and 60s classic called uh, I Love Lucy. There you go. There and you if go. you watch the the Amazon Prime documentary type movie that they did 
Um, it's called Being the Ricardos. It is such a fascinating insight, not only to the television, but also just the gen- general world at the time. Looking at how maybe they needed to move up production so that they could do a few episodes before Lucy starts to show. And then they take a few months off so that she can finish her pregnancy and then get back on the screen after she's had the baby. Like, that was how they generally did it. If a woman got pregnant during filming of a TV show, they just filmed around her pregnancy so that they wouldn't show it. And in in the documentary and then in real life, they weren't going to do that. They were going to show it. And that was history for television. And it it really, in my opinion, set the stage for so many other things in television. Jesse in the chat says, so far, Zach's list is my honorable mentions. Um, that's okay. That's really okay, dude. Like, I, I appreciate everybody's perspectives, uh, particularly on on this subject. I know that it's I wouldn't call it controversial, but it's diverse. There's there's a lot of things that it could be. And I get that. Let me see. Did you actually put... No, Jesse didn't put any actual honorable mentions in the submission. So I wouldn't have known, or I would have mentioned it myself. Mm. But that's okay. okay. Oh, here he is. He's back. Sorry. <laughs> No, it's all good. Um, I was just extrapolating a little bit more about my selection, and uh, I'm pretty much done. Number four, I love Lucy. Okay, and uh, I love love that choice. Like, I, I love Lucy. Still, like one of those shows. Like, I go back to like, ah, oh, it's just so great, and it's just legendary, legendary. Um, okay, for my number four is one I think also kind of probably if you know me, you you can see this coming. I got a couple reasons out of this show. I know a lot of people don't like this show and i i'm still going to be a cheerleader for this show i'm gonna have to uh i I need to like devote a whole like podcast to this i could talk at length about how i much i love this show and how great it is from a technical point of view from a writing point of view from an acting point of view so many things um and i'll try to be quick about this because i don't have all night (laughs) but my number four choice is agents of shield it's a show that a lot of people looked over and there's two reasons I put in this. Okay, one, one, story structure. If I'm talking about TV writing course, I think the structuring of Agents of Shield stories and how they did like just overarching, you know, I'm trying to the best way to put this, you know, in like how they did a season. And it wasn't just like I think one of the cardinal sins. One of the last times I watched The Flash, one of the cardinal sins of that show was that it was like 22 episodes and it was just like nothing happened every episode. It was just like every episode it was a new villain of the week and then occasionally the regular villain would show up and they'd have a battle and then nothing would happen because it wasn't the finale yet (laughs) and they couldn't do anything. Ace of Shield found a way to, you know, not at first, but a couple seasons in, started with these story structure where the whole season was like, you know, 20 something, 16, 20 episodes, but it was like four episode blocks of story. And it were almost like their own little mini seasons where 
you would go into it and it would last for two, three, four, five episodes. And it was one like kind of contained story of what was going on. But then it would lead into the next four or five episodes. But every two or three or four episodes, you would get a kind of a season finale, if you will, of culmination of events of like something's happening and, you know, things are changing and and it wouldn't get stale. It wouldn't get boring. And I think that's one of the things that especially going back to old like network shows that were 20 episodes long, they got arduous because it was all about like getting you engaged. And a lot of times it just wasn't there. Age of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think did perfectly was kind of keeping you engaged throughout the story. And one story led into another, led into another, like one season it's, you know, they start out with, you know, I'm trying to remember because it's been a long time since I've watched the whole series. But basically, you start one season. It's like two, the first two or three episodes. Like, oh, there's life model decoys, and like, oh, they're talking about this and that, and they're creating them. And then, and then you get, you know, three or four episodes, and oh, the the guy who created the life model decoys, he's kind of evil, and he's got an evil plot, and he and he kidnapped Agent May and replaced her with an, a life model decoy, and then that leads into the next three or four episodes, and then it leads on and on and on until you get to the finale, which is kind of the culmination of everything. But overall, it's done really well. I think a lot of shows could take an example from this and go like, okay, you know, this is this is how you do it. This is how you keep people engaged. This is how you stretch out a story and not just like have every episode be just, you know, it's a bunch of nothing, and then the last five minutes is teasing the next episode, which is what a lot of superhero shows, especially on the CW, did for a very long time. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm rambling, but that's 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 my number four. No, that, that's a that's that I, I I get I get the selection, dude, because for a while it looked like it was trying to be a part of the MCU, and then for a while it ended up not being part of the MCU. And then in the last episode, they literally were like, yeah, we're in a different timeline. We're not, in that, we're not in that universe. But even then, with all of that will-they-won't-they they complexity, they still found a way to stand on their own two feet. Oh, yeah. Which is a fantastic feat in this day and age. Like, very few shows have been able to toe the line of the MCU while still being their own solid individual show. And honestly, let's let's give credit where credit's due. Clark Gregg and Ming-Na Wen carried that show. Absolutely. And Absolutely. And they are rock stars for their performances and I'm I'm so glad that they're getting other gigs afterwards like heck, one of them's in Star Wars now. Like how cool Hell is that? Oh yeah. That's great. Yeah, love it. So, super glad for them. Um, on to my number three, I suppose. I know we're running short on time, so I, I don't want to, like, go on too, too much of a tangent. But um, I, I will say I haven't seen the show all the way through. But that's because this show can be so dark and so heavy um, that I I have a hard time being able to get all the way through it. Mm. 
And it's actually one that was on my dad's list, and it's making it onto mine as well. Uh, clocking in at number three is MASH. MASH. MASH is a show that, like, it still comes on TV, and look up the antenna and get some old MASH, and it's still super entertaining. So and here's... So, so clever. Such a clever show. Here, here is a encapsulation of why I consider it a masterclass of writing. Not only is it a commentary on, you know, the draft or a war that the Americans feel like they shouldn't be a part of. Um, it's also just a commentary on, uh, on life and values. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a comedy, it's a drama. Um, and, it's about the eclectic nature of people coming together that wouldn't have come together ordinarily. And they're doing it for a cause that probably almost none of them believe in, but they have to believe in it in order to survive. And that gets encapsulated um, in this one quote that's happening during surgery. And uh, I'm try I'm going to try and come up with the dialogue as, as, best as I can. Um, one of the characters, Frank, says, everybody knows war is hell. And Hawkeye retorts, he says, war isn't hell. He says, war is war and hell is hell. And of the two, war is a lot worse. The chaplain looks at him and says, how do you figure that, Hawkeye? And he says, easy, father. Tell me, who goes to hell? The chaplain replies, sinners, I believe. And Hawkeye says, exactly. There are no innocent bystanders in hell. But war is chock full of them. Little kids, cripples, old ladies. In fact, except for a few of the brass, almost everybody involved is an innocent bystander. Dang. You want to talk about a master class of writing? Just look at that scene. Holy hell! This is a good show. And if you want to learn how to be a writer that blends action and comedy and drama and romance and commentary on different social agendas and, and political perspectives, this is the show for you. It's, it's a little bit old, but it is not irrelevant in the slightest. So, MASH, my number three. Hell yeah. Love, love, love that choice and love that show. All right. Um, so my number three is a sh show that's been talked about a lot tonight, so I won't spend too much time on it. But uh, it's uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars. And the specific reason I picked it was for the sake of character progression. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm teaching a class on TV writing, I'm going to talk all about character progression and how – Filoni and Lucas and all those guys managed to, you know, take a character like Ahsoka Tano and yep. take her from like being literally loathed by the fan community to a beloved character that's now getting her own live action series. Yep. Like that takes a lot. And the fact that throughout that show that happened and that that she is completely different character. I'm not just talking about from like oh, she's different from Clone Wars to The Mandalorian. No, no, no. It's from season one to season three, 
she's a completely different character. And then go on to season four, five, and six and like just watch the progression play out in front of your eyes. Um, And that's that's and Ahsoka's just one character. I would I would give I think one of the best developed characters in the entire series was Ventress, Asajj Ventress. And there's so many other characters that got just incredible character growth. Honestly, I I really love Fives. I, exactly, another great one. Fives and another five, excellent five, fives and Rex both had some of the best clone character arcs of the whole show. Some of the clones who are supposed to be, you know, all just boring guys who look all alike and sound all alike, uh, it's got some of the best development out of all of them. So, uh, yeah, Clone Wars is just again masterclass in character progression. So nine, number three. Okay. Well, we're on to my number two, and, and my number two is, is actually going to be a hybrid, if that's okay. Cool. Um, my my number two that I'm putting in there, because society almost expects me to put it in there, is going to be Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, I'm putting at the number two spot, because if I was teaching this class, that is one of the top two that I would assign people to watch. But... I have not seen all of Breaking Bad. And so I have a hard time justifying that being my personal number two because I haven't seen the show in its entirety and therefore I cannot always pick out particular scenes and such that are worthy of of being the thing that I tell my students to go watch, if that makes sense. Right. But it made it to a lot of other people's lists. It's something that like people who are my mentors and even former professors and stuff, they have all ranted and raved about how amazing this show is. And I need to finish it. Like, straight up, I need to finish it. Because it is very relatable. It is very real. It is very raw. It it, it has inspired so many other shows. It, it kicked off... You know, other shows like Better Call Saul, which is now getting a ton of Emmy nominations and stuff. Like, this this show, as far as, as realism goes, realism mixed with, with drama um, and, and intensity, it, it is just amazingly written from what I've been able to see of it. But I don't, I, I don't know the finale because I've never seen it. I never got around to it. Um, so... That is my, like, societal number two. Um, but my my actual number two would be Daredevil. Okay. Right. Uh, my, my actual number two, like, that I would pick would be Daredevil because I have seen all of its seasons, because I love Vincent D'Onofrio's character. I love the opening scene of the very first episode where he's like asking for forgiveness in advance of what he's about to do. Like that just sets the tone right there. Yeah. And, and everything that follows after it, an entire season long story arc where he's trying to toe the line between good and bad with the Punisher as like his mirror image of what happens if he crosses the line. Um, It's just, it's, it's a fantastic show. And, uh, like your selection with Agents of Shield, I would say it's the only other Marvel show that's been able to stand on its own without having too many ties to the MCU. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 great though. I, I love that show so much, and and I didn't even think about Daredevil, but it's it's great. 
so good. So yeah, I know we're we're getting crunched for time, so I'm not going to go into the, too many more details about that. But Breaking Bad is my societal number two. Daredevil is my personal number two. Yep. Okay. Um. So for my number two, straight up, it's Stranger Things. It's fresh in my mind. Um. And after season four, and I will give it a, a thumbs up just for intelligent writing just being so smart in how it writes its characters how it writes situations um how it 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 just goes in all in on you know being just so clever and so witty um and making all those characters feel very real and very grounded um and very smart um smarter than even almost to a to an unrealistic <laughs> perspective sometimes because they're just like Dustin's just like on another level sometimes but uh, <laughs> yeah Stranger Things especially season 4 really really loved it I think um, again just incredible writing see that's interesting because I've, I I I don't know what part of social media I'm going on to but I heard a few mixed reviews about the writing of the show and that like the CGI is kind of taking over the show and it, and it's like causing some of the writing to slip a little bit but I haven't finished season three yet, so I can't really say for myself, but I did see that like every episode is a minimum of an hour four, and some of them are like two and a half hours long. It's like long. practically a They're movie. Long. So I, I know that things are kicking up and that it's it's like getting there, and I'm really excited for that, but I'm also really nervous because I don't know when the hell I'm going to have time to actually watch all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's a, it's a lot. Just but, take it in stride. Dude. Do you remember back in the day when we did like a three and a half hour episode on Stranger Things season one and we didn't even feel like we covered it all? I know. It just is insane. Like, I can't even I kind imagine of, trying to do this new season. <laughs> I kind of want to go back and listen to that and just listen to us gush about it for three and a half hours. I know. Just wild. It's so crazy that like that was something that was back when our show first debuted. And now here we are still talking about it. I know. It's crazy. Crazy. It's crazy. All right. All right. Here we are. <coughs> here we are. Number ones. Yeah, we're doing so we're doing our number ones and we're gonna have to do a little bit of a change up for y'all that are that are listening and waiting for that follow up discussion on a particular trip to a, a certain barbecue restaurant. Um, we want to turn it more into a story rather than something that we rush through. So we're actually going to push back the barbecue discussion to our Thor discussion. So we're going to do a special episode on Thor Love and Thunder after Ben sees it. And we're going to give due diligence to our Thor discussion and at the same time give due diligence to this barbecue episode. I do have a like a two-minute thing that I can do about barbecue just so that we say we did barbecue tonight. But um, the the follow-up discussion is... uh, temporarily postponed but you'll hear it on the very next thing that we do so promise in the meantime uh any guesses what my number one would be ben without going onto my twitter page um i don't know honestly honestly i'm gonna feel stupid when you say it but yeah go ahead just say it Uh, my number one without a shadow of a doubt beyond heads and shoulders above anything else it's game of thrones yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. Should have seen that one coming too. It, like the 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 way that they're able to blend the books with the TV shows in the first couple of seasons, and then they're able to to take 
the things and the and the elements and the components uh, and the essence of the show and be able to, to go beyond the books and keep making the show. I know some people had some creative differences on that regard, but I personally really enjoyed it so much so that I'm doing a podcast about it. It's called House of the Empire. I'm doing it on Phantom Empire, actually. So even though IPC isn't on Phantom Empire, I'm still on Phantom Empire doing okay. stuff with them. Um, so be sure to go check that out. The first episode has already dropped. We got more episodes getting ready for um, House of the Empire, which is the um, Targaryen prequel show that's coming out next month in August. Um, so be sure to go check that out. But uh, I love the character arcs. I love the development. I love the choreography of the action sequences. Uh, I love the plot twists. I love the backstabbing. I love the cliffhangers. I, I love pretty much everything about this show. It is like my very favorite show with friends being my favorite sitcom or, you know, my, you know, my, my favorite, you know, non, um, non-drama type show like those are the two shows that i could binge the most easily for so many reasons but the the writing and then the the acting behind the writing you know you have to write a show really well but then you have to have actors that can pull it off and game of thrones is just like 100 percent firing on all cylinders at all times it never misses in my opinion and so that's why it's my number one Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, for my number one, um, I don't know if this is predictable or not. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But uh, it's Firefly. Wow. And it's, I'll bro- briefly, I'm just going to rant real quick. Um, Please characters. Do. Characters are super important. I think there's some of the best written characters ever on TV, period. And Characters are what make us care about the story, care about anything in these things, and I think that is the most important part of it. And those characters are just so well-rounded, all about – it's just phenomenal. So like Firefly is a – again, a masterclass in character writing, character just all around. Character, character, character is the most important part of the whole process. So can you refresh me like – what was what was it about Seinfeld that that you said was like part of the the excellence in its writing? Firefly was for the characters. Seinfeld was for the it had something to do with the story blocking. Is that what you said? Or oh uh, yeah, the interwoven plots. interwoven plots. Yes. And then it was the story structure in Agents of Shield. Correct. Um, Clone Wars. It was character development, right? Correct. Yes character development and then what was it about stranger things intelligent writing intelligent writing these types of of poignant conversations are the ones that i want to remember so i'm I'm taking notes in our show notes so that i don't really i don't forget them um but yeah uh to recap avatar the last airbender i love lucy mash breaking bad slash daredevil and game of thrones and then seinfeld Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Star Wars The Clone Wars, Stranger Things, and Firefly. What's really funny is I introduced Edna to the pilot of Firefly the other day, and she kind of liked it. So if it's your number one on this list, then uh, maybe that's a recommendation that it's it's worth continuing to watch. But uh... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm... Uh, I'm I moved. Sorry. Oh. I'm just... Uh, I'm just... 
I'm just I'm, I'm improvising here. Apologies. It, it's it's but, time but, for continue on. Continue on. It's time for backyard watch with Ben. Is what it is. <laughs> oh man, this this has been a really fun night and it went a little bit long which is why ben is like trying to keep up with us as best he can sorry that it went long buddy this is just a really really great discussion and we appreciate everybody that was a part of tonight's fun on mixler we had a really good chat again tonight tuning in and we're gonna have a lot of really engaging follow-ups with folks after the fact as well i believe and uh, don't forget, we're going to be doing a special episode on Thor Love and Thunder where we will have our extended uh, barbecue watch segment. But um, for for tonight only, I'm going to do a quick little story because I went and had barbecue with my dad the other day. And we went to a place that's a family favorite of ours called Hurtado. And I got a really, really big platter that had like a sampler of everything and we got to try everything from pork belly burnt ends to brisket to turkey. Uh, smoked quail was one of the options. Like, it was a fantastic spread. And there were so many leftovers that I got to bring some home uh, for Edna. And there's still enough leftover to have pulled pork sandwiches for lunch tomorrow. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about how much longevity hurtado barbecue has that you buy one platter of food and it turns into about four meals worth for people because you are just you may be paying a, a quite a bit up front but you get a lot in return for it so um they're opening a third location actually which i'm i'm also pretty excited about but um that's probably best saved for another time because uh it's it's time for us to either go home or go to bed, I think. Yeah, just about, just about. But luckily, I've got everything recording on Audacity, so it shouldn't be too hard to piecemeal all of this together. Um, thanks again to everybody that tuned in to tonight's episode. Be sure to find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast, And go find us on Patreon if you want to be a financial contributor to the show, patreon.com slash Podcast. Uh, Podbean is our main podcasting hosting site, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. And of course, you can find us on places like uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and uh, CastBox. For swag, you can find us at tpublic.com slash user slash ipcpodcast. And if you want to find us on our personal socials, you can find us uh, at... Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H the Voice, and Ben can be found at Ben Hart with no E. Neither of us have changed our usernames in the last couple of years, probably not intent on changing at any time soon. So uh, be sure to go follow those two pages to be able to get links to all of our other pages. Like I said, I'm doing stuff on Phantom Empire still. Ben is doing stuff with the Star Wars Underworld and Culture Slate. So there's all kinds of fun to be had. Just go find us on those primary socials and be able to find out where we're doing all of those other great things. But thank you all again for being a part of episode 352 of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. Be sure to be on the lookout on your podcatcher for a special bonus episode that is probably not going to be live. It's just going to be like an hour-long pre-recorded episode that we're going to drop at some random time talking about Thor Love and Thunder and an extended barbecue segment. But for my co-host, Ben, my name is Zach. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. 
We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, good night, everyone. Thank you.